Dan, Kathy is the president, owner of Chick-fil-A. If they was one of these restaurants very close to here, I'd be going there about five times this week. I would. I would. Here's a man that has taken a stand for traditional marriage, and the drive-by media is shooting him up one side and down the other. That's what they think of you. That's the values that you have. So uh, uh, I love Billy Graham, what his comment was. Uh, he said that he will be going there Wednesday this week and eating a meal at Chick-fil-A. He said he has known this family for decades and uh, appreciates the stand that they take. So uh, thank God for people willing to take a stand. That's kind of like with Daniel in the old Bible where you can't pray, you can't do this, you can't do that. And he did just like he always done. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem and he got on his face before God and he prayed before God and it wound him up in the lion's den, but he did it anyway. That's what true faith in God is all about. It really is. I'm all wrapped up in the book of Philippians, so let's go to the book of Philippians. Teaching on Philippians on Wednesday night. Last Sunday morning, we started on Philippians, but not in Philippians. We started in the book of Acts, chapter number 16. And our message last week was songs at midnight. And it uh, kind of gets you a uh, head start on what Philippians is all about and who Paul had to work with once he got to Philippi. Philippians 1, starting with verse 1. Are you there? Five people. I will give you time to get there. We're going to look at potential. That's what verse 6 is all about. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints. You catch that? to all the saints. Not just the youngsters, not just to the ones with the tattoos, not just the Harley riders, not just the upper crust. I don't think the church needs to be to where we specialize in just one group. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. And what we've seen on Wednesday night, we have got, when he gets there to Philippi, the first peoples that he has to work with are Lydia, a fashion designer, two, the woman that's demon-possessed, and he casts the demons out of her, three, the blue-collar worker, the Philippian jailer who's ready to commit suicide. Those three people were delivered, were converted, and that was who Paul had to start with in building the church at Philippi, which are at Philippi with the bishops and with the deacons. And that in itself is a message. Paul didn't do it by himself. He did this with others. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. That is another message as well. It's always grace is first and next, and next peace. You never find that the other way in the Bible. It's not, oh, if I just had the peace of God without the grace of God. No, grace and peace. Look it up. You can't find it the other way. 
God didn't say, oh, yeah, just one time we'll let it be peace and grace. No, grace and peace. Well, I'm just going to have to <laughs> preach whether you look at me and like me or not. I'm just going to. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I really like that verse. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. Father, take the words that we will speak here, and I am praying, God, that they will be life and liberty to every person that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. Last night, I had a young man in my house say these words. I don't think Larry Bird would have the ability to play with the people in the NBA that's playing right now today. And I said, get out of my house. <laughs> and he smiled, and I said, no, really, get out of my house. No, I let him stay. Fifty years ago, in the NBA, Dolph Shays, and I should have formed that in the form of a question, and John Mayberry would have probably got that right. Dolph Shays, when he retired, he held these NBA records, 19,249 points scored. Dolph Shays had played 1,059 games. He had played the most playoff games. He made the most foul shots, and he gave the most fouls. Those was the records that he held. Dolph Shays would prepare himself before every game. He'd be in the locker room ahead of everybody else. He'd already got ready, and he would go over into a corner area of the, of the locker room, and he would say to himself, I am the leading scorer in the NBA. My team pays me to score. The guy on the other team is going to try to stop me from scoring tonight. And if he stops me from scoring tonight, they will put me on the bench. And if I'm on the bench enough, they will see that they don't need me. And if they don't need me, they will fire me. And if they fire me, I won't have money to be able to buy food for my five kids. And if my five kids don't have food, they will starve to death. That guy on the other team is trying to kill my five kids. He would walk out on the floor. The opposing guy would reach out his hand to shake Dolph Shay's hand, and Shay's would slap his hand away. Get away from me, you murderer. 
You're trying to kill my five kids. He prepared himself to do the very best that he could in that game. This happened a few weeks ago in the Oasis room. I heard Elaine Orr mention this because we were talking about an event that the church will have, and she said, I will enjoy myself. I will have a good time. And I thought when she said it, it's as simple as that. She is not going to let anybody talk her out of that. She is not going to let her own self talk her out of that. I will have a good time. She's made up her mind about that. What's she doing? She's preparing herself. This is what Paul was talking about. Paul could say to the Philippian church, upon every remembrance of you, I thank God. And you think, Paul, are you sure about that? Because it was Philippi where they falsely accused you. They put stripes on your back. They threw you in jail. And Paul is saying, every time I remember that Philippi and what went on at that church and that town, I thank God. What's he doing? He's preparing himself. He didn't hold a grudge. He didn't nurse and rehearse what everybody at Philippi had done to him. He said, I thank God every time I think about that city. Wow. Dolph Chase made a choice. Elaine Orr made a choice. Paul the apostle made a choice to remember the best and forget the rest. If you came to church and only got that, it would have been worth it. I wrote my seventh grade teacher, Kent Sanders. I wrote him a letter about five, six, seven years ago. He was here at a visitation. And it's it's the strangest deal for me. Every time I see a teacher that I had, I just feel like I'm just a little bitty kid. <laughs> just went over to him. I wrote him a letter talking about the jump shot that he helped me to be able to, to shoot. And he would say, Mark, you got the finest jump shot on the whole team. I'd say, I know I do. <laughs> Because you taught me how to shoot. You know what I did with that letter? I didn't write one bad thing about when he made me sit after class in in the room when everybody else went outside and played. I didn't do any of that. Any of that. Any of that. I remembered the best and I forgot the rest. If you would have asked my mom, hey, Iris, was Mark a good boy? She would say, Mark was a good boy. (laughs) Well, if that's the case, how come I got so many whippings from her? (laughs) She remembered the best and forgot the rest. Those that are bitter, those that are constantly needing counseling. And, you know, thank God, on this note of counseling, we've got people in this church that has had counseling, they've had professional counseling, and now they are the ones being able to give counsel to others and to teach others. Thank God that's how it ought to happen. Amen. 
but there are people that make a living out of always constantly going to a counselor. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. Because what happens, eventually, uh, what counseling begins to happen is this to you. It's nothing but a prop-up ministry. Oh, you fell over. Oh, let me prop you up. Oh, you fell over again. Let me prop you up. Here, let me prop you up. Next year, here, let me prop you up. Oh, next year, oh, you need, oh, next year, let me prop you up. Let me, let, let me prop you up. Let, let, let me prop you up. Years ago, me and George was over at a church at Flora, and in the, in the midst of that service, the pastor said, oh, I want everybody to pray for my boy. My boy, he needs a job. Oh, he needs a job. Pray for my boy, he needs a job. Everybody got up and prayed for his boy to get a job. When we was leaving that place, George says, Mark, I've known that guy my whole life. What he needs to do is being prayed for to have the strength to go fill out an application. <laughs> and George says, the guy's the same place he was when we was growing up. He's still on his mom and dad's couch. Don't enable people to stay down. Do you teach a man to fish or do you give a man to fish? You teach him how to fish. Jesus didn't see people as they were. He saw potential in them. Let me give you a rundown here. He looks at Nathaniel and says, Behold an Israelite in whom is no guile. He sees potential in a fisherman. He sees potential in a doctor. He sees potential in a tax collector. He sees potential in a centurion. He sees potential in a prostitute. He sees potential in Paul, the persecutor. He sees potential with the woman at the well. He saw potential with the poor widow. He saw potential in the blind man. Jesus sees potential in you. And you may not even know what you're looking for. I went into a grocery store the other day, and the man says, Preacher! What are you hungry for? I said, I don't really know. I got some mighty good hamburger. You know what I walked out of there with? Hamburger. There may be times that your neighbor, your, per, your person you work with, your family member, or yourself may not even know what you're looking for. What we really need is grace and peace in the power of the Holy Spirit and God would have fellowship with us and from there we can realize and know and learn that we have potential and we can do it when God says we can do it. In Colorado Springs, a few years back, we flew in, we get a rental car, and this is the first GPS that I had ever operated. And we're going, and I take the turn that was different than the woman's voice told me to take. And which was, I mean, in itself was weird because I'm thinking, now I got two women people in here <laughs> telling me what to do. And she says, alternate route. I'll get you to an alternate route. I'll get you to an alternate route. I'll get you to an alternate route. It's like, well, lady, get me to an alternate route then. If you take choices, 
and go places you shouldn't do, if you think God gives up on you, he don't. He's going to be just as persistent as that gallon at GPS. He's going to try to use an alternate route to get you where you need to be. God, why is that? God sees your potential. And not everybody is going to boo and be just like you. And thank God, if everybody was like me, this would be the most boring planet and the place on this whole planet. We don't want everybody being just like me. Thank God for variety, really. Thank God for variety. We want people to fly. We want people to be different. We want people to grow in what their experience is with God, but don't try to be a cookie cutter from someone else. But we need to realize, men, I'll just give you this. And a lot of you guys have already figured this out. And some of you haven't figured this out. And when the time comes, you're going to say, oh, yeah, that's what that preacher said. When you get married someday and you have a wife of your own, about once a month, there's going to be a time in there to where things may not go as smooth as you'd like it to go. In a word, she'll be moody. <laughs> That's in a word. And you know what's amazing to me? I thought of this last week. There's a Christian magazine, but the literal name of it is Moody Monthly. <laughs> it is. That's the name of the magazine. Moody Monthly. I mean, that's good preaching. Where else you going to get that? Nowhere. You ain't going to get that nowhere else but here. Right here. And I'll tell you on my own self, I get PMS every week. I do. I do. It's pre-message syndrome. Don't try to mess with me and talk with me before I preach. I ain't, well, that's just the deal, huh? Potential. God knows your worth. I've got a $20 bill here. What if I put this thing in the mud? Would you be willing to take it? What if I did this to it? Would you be willing to take it? What if I spit on it? Patooey. Would you be willing to take it? What if I did this to it? And I know this is against the law, so don't tell anybody. What if I did that to it? Would you still be willing to take it? What if I did this to it? To where it's just... Would you still take it? The reason, no matter what I do with it, you're going to be willing to take it is because you know its value and its worth. That's why no matter what a person has been through, gone through, tore up, spit upon, crumpled, put in the dirt, thrown around, ripped, torn, God still takes that person because he knows their worth, their value, their potential. In verse 11, which we didn't read, the Bible talks about fruits of righteousness. The reason that's important is because within fruit, there are seeds. Potential in that. In Galatians, it talks about the works of the flesh. No seeds in that. There's no potential in that. 
but in fruits of righteousness, there is potential. In verse 12, it talks about, Paul does, the right perspective. Wednesday night, Chuck Short was telling me about a time in his life to where he kept the proper perspective. That is what Paul is doing here, keeping the right perspective. And if we could learn anything, that would be the big one to learn. The way you look at your problem, way more important than your problem. One more time. The way you look at your problem, way more important than your problem. Paul said he wanted to go to Rome to the furtherance of the gospel. Here's what's in his mind. I'm going to the forum and preach one night. I'm going to go to the Colosseum and preach one night. But that didn't happen. What did he do? kept the, the proper and the right perspective in this thing. He, has, he is chained to a Roman guard for two years straight. Every four hours, that Roman guard is chained. Church history says the reason that they, they would change him that often is because they're right here by Paul. They're chained to Paul. They're chained to the best Christian that ever lived. They're chained to the one that, that hell can't stop, Rome can't stop, nobody can stop. He keeps winning these prison guards, and they're willing to let him go free. So every four hours, they've got to make sure that they change the guard, or else this guy could go away free. Every four hours, what this, what this adds up to is 4,380 Roman soldiers were chained to Paul, and that man done a lot of good preaching and teaching and writing the gospel, writing the letters while he was in that prison cell with those 4,380 soldiers watching every step he made and every move he made. This is why Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4 that he saluted the saints in Caesar's household. He'd won most of them people himself. God has a purpose in your problem. He did with Paul, he does with you. Number two, you need priorities in your life. You've seen me do it before. The five-gallon bucket, you put the big rocks in first, then the smaller rocks, and then the sand, and you get everything in the bucket. You try to do it the other way. You put the sand in first, and then the bigger rocks, and then the biggest rocks, and you can never get it all in. First things first. Priorities in your life. Oh, I just go to church whenever I want to go to church. That's no priority in your life. Oh, man, that's good preaching, preacher. Priorities in your life. Number three, you need the power to live on, and that power is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because listen, life can be a daily grind. Am I true on that? It's what one woman said, the problem with life is that it's just so daily. <laughs> right. Isn't it right? The woman with six kids getting on the city bus. And of course, you know, six kids and, and trying to get them all corralled and on board and trying to pay the bus driver and trying to get them all quiet and get them settled down. They would bother other people on the bus and, and, you know, the bus driver, he just had it. You know, and he just, he just snarls it out and said, lady, these all yours or are you going on a picnic? 
And she said, mister, they're all mine. And it ain't no picnic. Yeah. I visited a woman recently in the hospital, older woman, and here's what she told me. Life will catch up with you. And when I left her that day, I thought, and I'm not knocking her, but I thought that is the natural response. That's the natural response. Life will catch up with you. Here's the supernatural response. The life of the Lord Jesus will catch up with you. Imagine you running and the life and power of the Lord Jesus is behind you and he can run a lot faster than you can. The life of the power of God will eventually catch up with you. Why should that happen? Why does God want that to happen? Potent. Potential. Power. God don't want us to live our life to where, oh, we'll just lay on the road and let the enemy walk over us. That's how Israel was in the Old Testament at times. And God said, don't live like that. Be more than conqueror. Be more than a conqueror. I've used this so many times that I know most people get sick of hearing it. Evander Holyfield, the guy that has his ear bit off, remember that, who I'm talking about now? The first time, well, back up. <laughs> when that man won the heavyweight championship of the world, I don't know what his price tag was, but let's say it was $10 million. Who was the conqueror that night? Evander. Evander. He flies home to Atlanta, Georgia. His wife is standing there at the front door of their house. And as he steps up to walk into the house, she goes like this. He takes that $10 million check and puts that check in her hand. Evander was the conqueror. She's more than a conqueror. <laughs> That's right. And that's where God wants to get us, where we can utilize and understand and realize our potential and live like God wants us to live. Would you bow your heads, please? Thankful, Lord God, for another time to be able to preach your word to your people. Lord, I am praying, God, that this message had not fallen upon hard ground, but, Lord, it, it fell on good ground. And, Lord, it's ready to take root and grow within every person's life. Help us, God, to know our full potential in you, and that's the only way. That's the only way we'll be happy. That's the only way we'll live life fulfilled is living in your flow of your spirit and knowing and understanding your potential within our life. In Jesus' name we're praying, amen. i
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.